on. What's up, family? There we go. Um, well, the intro kind of did its own little... It worked a bit. Not too shabby. Good to be on. I got some thumbs up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm glad that you guys could hear me. This is always a good thing when you can hear me. Um, so good to see everybody. Passion Week. This is a beautiful, beautiful week. Um, some of you guys might be wondering, what on earth was he thinking with that title? And I know some of you guys might think that's a clickbait title, but no, I've actually been thinking about that for quite some time, right? Not that I'm, I'm not losing my faith or any of that by any stretch of the imagination. But you'll see as we get to chit chat and as we talk, as I kind of go through uh, what God's laid on my heart to share with you guys this Passion Week, um, hopefully you guys can understand why I named it what I named it. And so um, I better click save here because all this writing that I did, it would be in vain if I didn't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, to share with you guys, family, and um, this is... I hope it blesses you. I know Lord blessed me as I was. It just solidified even more what this week, especially what Sunday means to us. It's just a beautiful time. And uh, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I want to share a couple of things, a couple of news items with you guys um, before we jump into today's, uh, today's podcast, today's subject. But before we get going, please, yes, see, Dr. Kitty, you're, you are ahead. So she's from Minneapolis here. Right on, right on. So uh, we got, let's see, Sherry, blessings from the UK. I haven't done this in a while, so I'm going to talk like this just for a little bit. It's so nice to actually try and talk. Okay, for whoever is in the UK, you must tell me how shabby my accent is. I know it doesn't sound so good, but I love it. It's so nice. We're going to jump into some great, great subject matter today. I mean, seriously, that's got to sound so cool. I've always said that if you have a British accent, and I say accent because I'm in the States, but if I was in the UK, it wouldn't be an accent, obviously. But can you imagine... Reading to your kids the Bible with a British accent just makes everything better. I just think it makes everything better. So, yeah, like good old Zach Spiro from Wretched Watchmen. The Watchtower said, scream out your location. Boulder, Colorado. Love it. Love it. We got Tennessee. Sherry Charles is in the house. Hey, from Tennessee. You guys got sunshine over there? I see a little sunshine emoji. I, I got laughter. So does that mean my British accent was terrible? I don't know, because we got uh, Calabella. Did I say that right? I hope I did. With uh, smiley faces. Not sure. I know. I like to mess around, right? We got uh, Vera Jesus, Idaho. We got Lynn Mudge, Southern Ohio. Listen, I'm going to be changing platforms. Uh, I told you guys uh, to um ecam live and it's really cool i'll be able to do what zach does because you know zach knows what's up he does it all legit i want to be like zach when i grow up i want to be like zach so i'm going to be able to show everybody um the comments and where everybody's from instead of just you know watching me read these i feel like i'm reading off a teleprompter here but anyways rainy oregon 
Uh, Debbie B777. I'm sorry. We actually have beautiful weather here. I just thought I'd rub that in everybody's face. Uh, just Vicky. Okay. <laughs> so just Vicky. She wants me to do the Sean Connery voice. I don't know if I should do the voice like this. Can you imagine, folks, if I did the entire podcast as Sean Connery? Lord's coming back soon. Look, I hope and pray that maybe in his last days he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Uh, but we won't know that, right? I know a lot of small talk. I love the small talk. It's like I'm interacting with my family, and I love it. So Pamela Minnick, hello from Roseville, Cali. Woo, got Cali's in the house. Um, okay, she said, Sharit, thank you. This was a compliment coming from someone in the UK. Your accent was lovely. Wasn't good, but it was lovely. I love the way. So nice of you to say that. But thank you so much. Love it. Thanks. It's glad to have you guys on. Glad to have you on. Wisconsin cheese is here. Ah, it's Katie with the cheese. You know, I'm actually going to be ordering some cheese, extra sharp cheddar aged five to seven years from Wisconsin. I'm excited about that. I love that. I'm not scratching my ears. I got these these little in-ear things, so I don't look like I have these earmuffs going on. And uh, so far, uh, I can't say that I'm like all digging them, but it's all good because I want to wear my fedoras one of these days. Uh, my husband is from Scotland, Linda. Yes, Linda, your hubby is from Scotland. Actually, I think that's Irish. Hey, top of the day to you, everybody. So glad y'all could join us. Make sure you bring your shalel. Okay, anyways. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Good to have everybody on. Hey, listen. Um, I just wanted to tell everybody a couple things before uh, we jump into today's podcast. First off, let me see. How much time are we in already? Okay, we got like 15 minutes. Just hit the 15-minute mark right now. Listen, folks. This is going to be a shortened version. As soon as I'm done with this, as soon as we're finished with the podcast, I'm going to download it from YouTube and I'm going to delete it from YouTube. So again, if you're watching this on the flip side of the live stream and you're on YouTube, you don't have to put a comment below and say what happened. It cut off at, you know, 20 minutes. Where is it? Where? It's on Rumble. I will put the link below. You click on the link. It will take you to Rumble. The reason why I'm going to have to do that today is because of what I'm going to be talking about. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that good old YT is going to be like, no, no, not going to do it. That's not prudent. Not good in this juncture. Going to have to censor that. So, um, yeah, so with that said, if you see that short time, well, not if, when you see the short timestamp at the end of this, I'm going to put a big message on the screen that says, click on the link below to take you to Rumble so you guys could watch the full thing. You want to watch the entire podcast. I said I was going to try to keep it under an hour. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that happens or not. I don't know. So today, instead of coffee, I actually have my delicious ginger tea, farm fresh organic honey. I'm not drinking a cup of honey, by the way. It's my delicious ginger and turmeric tea. I love ginger and turmeric tea. Anybody like uh, ginger tea? Am I the only weirdo that likes ginger tea? Okay, anyways, um, on top of that, 
the video that I'm going to show you real quick, I mean, I might get a copyright on, a, on this. So um, we're 15 minutes in, did the intro. Actually, let me do some housekeeping and then we'll jump right in. You guys cool with that? Good, good, good. Because I forgot to, I'm sure you guys are going to see a black screen right now. Ton, ton, ton. As always, the black screen here. I need to, I need to see where it's at. Let's see. Is this it? No, here it is. There we go, peoples. Okay, folks, ladies and gents, as always, housekeeping. Um, so, Serpents and Doves website, sign up for the newsletter. I've got a bazillion things going on. I will get to it. I'm almost thinking of doing this newsletter as kind of like uh, I'm, I'm going to give maybe some, maybe like a little talk. I'm not going to do anywhere else, and I will send it out. I think that's kind of cool. Maybe leave some links below. Um, so yeah, sign up, put your email, hit send, you're golden. Uh, I Like I said on uh, Tuesday, I updated the site. I have to put Mark Henry's up here, the interview with Pastor Mark Henry. But everything's here. Um, all of the, uh, our brother Ron, he again, If you guys got to read these. They're so good. I'm going to click on one to show you. They're not long, folks, but they're great. He always puts great, great uh, uh, Bible verses in there, backs everything up with Scripture. Ron is um, my dear, dear brother. I love him very, very much. He is my brother in arms. And so I want to encourage you guys to read all of Ron's stuff. It's right there. And listen, I put that song down there for y'all to listen to. Petra, the one grave robber. If you guys get a chance, go on the website and listen to the song. Just click there. This is a wonderful song. This is Petra Classic. I should have put there Petra Classic. But anyways, um, I still got some hats. No more hoodies. Obviously, it's summer here in the States. T-shirts, I don't have any more. I don't have, I don't have. But uh, maybe someday in the near future, I'll be able to stock up. But I do have some stuff. If you guys want to support the ministry that way, you could do that. If not, if you feel led by the Lord to help come alongside the ministry and support it, if you click on the donate button right there, click, these are the ways to do it. I might add a couple more just to make it easier, but right now this is what I've got so far. And again, for those that have, I can't thank you enough. Most importantly, family, your prayers mean so, so, so much. I get so encouraged. I have a stack of, of notes and letters, and you guys are the best. Your encouragement means so very much. Your prayers mean so, so very much. So I just wanted to thank everybody. Again, it is so good to see y'all fellowshipping and enjoying this time together. You're stuck with me today. Today is solo. I've not done a solo in a little while, so I wanted to definitely go solo I wanted to uh, also let you guys know, hey, keep uh, Brother Britt in prayer. He's got the sniffles and a cold, and so uh, we want him on the show ASAP. Yeah, not show. It's not a show. But, 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 da, 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 da. I, I feel like I should be juggling stuff. This is just a podcast. This is, a, this is conversations, family. We're just talking here. So I'd love to have him. Uh, want to have him back on ASAP. Uh, pray for him that he uh, recovers quickly. Brother Britt. If you're watching, we love you, brother, and we're praying for you for a speedy recovery from the sniffles. All right, brother? Okay, family, listen. Um, so if you've gotten this far, now I'm talking to the folks on the flip side of the live stream. If you're on Rumble, you're golden. You could just keep watching. 
If you're on YouTube right now on the flip side of the live stream, I would encourage you guys to just check and click the link below to take you to Rumble. That way uh, you don't have to wonder what's going on. I'm going to cut this off. Not right now. This is the live stream, but I'm going to cut this off and then send you guys over to Rumble. That will definitely be at this point right here. So uh, on the flip side of the live stream, we will see you guys over there on Rumble and uh, hope you're blessed by the content. Okay, again, live stream, and I'm going to show you some videos right now. Uh, just a little news news blip. I want you guys to know what's going on. So I'm sure a lot of you guys already know, uh, but this is what's going on in Israel. This is a two-minute video uh, just to make you aware of what's happening. Let me get on over there. Please just give me a thumbs up. I want to make sure that you guys can hear the audio on this video. So as soon as you hear it playing, just a handful of you guys, if you guys just give me a thumbs up or, you know, however you want to do it. Um, thank you, Dr. Kitty. Appreciate the love very much. Um, and so, yeah, just let me know. Give me a thumbs up and let me see if uh, if you make sure you guys could hear this. Imagine waking up one morning to the sound of rockets tearing through the sky. Now back to reality. This is exactly what's happening in Israel. Today, there were nonstop rocket sirens in northern Israel in communities in Upper Galilee as Jews and Arab Israelis are targeted by barrages of rockets launched from Lebanon into Israel. Now imagine if this happened in any city in the world. New York, London, Paris, Sydney, the world would have been up in arms with outcries of condemnation and calls for swift action to bring the perpetrators to justice. But when it happens in Israel, we hear excuses and even justifications for the attack. This is the most serious incident in northern Israel since the Second Lebanon War. If you ask me, this is a declaration of war. This is a declaration of war on any sovereign state. Innocent civilians running to bomb shelters is an act of war. Israel Defense Forces are retaliating and bombing targets in Lebanon in response to the barrage of rockets. Israel also closed its northern airspace as things are escalating and Prime Minister Netanyahu is reportedly making his way to the war room. Hezbollah's leader, Nasrallah, said that if Israel attacks Lebanon, Hezbollah will bomb Haifa. But the media will probably only report about Israel bombing Lebanon. Double standards? Much? It's time to call it for what it is, terrorism. Innocent men, women, and children are being targeted by cowardly terrorists who seek to wipe Israel off the map. We must stand together to condemn and fight this evil. Stand with Israel. Stand against terrorism. I will keep updating you on my YouTube channel. I'm so fat. Brendan. <laughs> that was so good. I feel like that sometimes. I'm so fat. Anyway, after something serious, we had that, right? Gotta love the, the YouTube ads. That was so good. I'm so fat.
Uh, and of course, if, if you actually watch that, I've seen the, um, I've seen that ad. If you watch the ad, it's he, the guy's fat because he's wearing a t-shirt that makes him look fat. Yeah, if it was that easy, right? Let's go buy new t-shirts and it'll make you look all Arnold Schwarzenegger-ish. But anyways, so folks, listen, that was today. Um, I wanted to show you real quick uh, down on my side feed over here. Let me see if I can um, minimize this again. Um, where is it? Dude. Uh, should I go back? Anyways, it had, uh, it had a, um, a thumbnail of Amir Sarfadi and he's pretty much saying the same thing. So keep Israel in your prayers. Always pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for the peace of our, uh, brothers and sisters over there. And uh, that many would come to Christ during something like this because it's serious things are escalating wars rumors of wars threats of wars uh the other thing that i wanted to share with you guys um that's one thing so keep that and keep israel in your prayers keep the administration in your prayers um the other thing i wanted to show you was and these are two things that our brother ron sent me so i wanted to share them with you and uh, let me get on over there uh, where did i put it here we go Check this out, family. Russia, new Cold War is over. We are now in hot conflict with the United States. Let me read just the first paragraph. The United States is, quote, unquote, playing with fire and engaged in a hot, quote, hybrid war with Russia. Having already graduated from the Cold War stage, a Russian government minister has claimed incredibly even going so far as to blame the U.S. for rising nuclear tensions. The new Cold War is already over, a Kremlin spokesman has said, apparently looking past Russia's own role in invading Ukraine and accusing the United States of playing with fire by pushing the world towards nuclear war that he insists Russians wish to avoid. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, this, are, this is a good article. And, uh, you know, one thing I have to tell you guys is I can't stand those blasted ads. That's why I, I, don't, I don't like um, oftentimes showing Breitbart just because of the junk they have there. But if I remember to, I will link to this article. You guys can go and um, you guys can go and read it. But listen, family, um, the Lord is coming back soon. And with that, this is a perfect segue into what I wanted to share with you guys today on Passion Week. I know I titled it All for Nothing, All for Nothing. And I want you guys to keep that title in mind as we move forward. So before we move forward, I want to pray. I want to lift this time up to the Lord. I want to pray for you guys. And... um. Just thank the Lord because um, we can take comfort in knowing that our Lord and Savior is coming back for His bride any moment. So let's go to prayer. Father God, we come before you. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to share with one another, Father God, and to comfort one another with your words. As we celebrate Passion Week, as we get near to celebrating your death and resurrection. Father God, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would hide me, that I would find favor in your eyes, and that you would unite us once again with the bond of Christ through your spirit, Lord, as we look at this message today of what you went through and what 
the implications would be, Father God, if it was all for nothing. So, Lord, thank you so much. Bless our time. Bless the Serpents and Doves family, each and every person. You know their needs. You know their hearts, Father God, and I would pray you would meet each and every one of those needs physically, spiritually, economically, Father God, emotionally. I pray that your shalom peace, Father God, would shower each and every person that is watching this right now on the live stream and on the flip side of the live stream as well, Father God. I pray for healing, for restoration, and most importantly, Father God, I pray for soft and tender hearts for the word of God, that many would come to you because time is not on our side. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. All right. So let's get cracking, shall we, folks? Let me get to my trusty old notes here um, because if I didn't have my notes, I would just ramble, 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 and you guys don't want to hear me ramble. Trust me. So, um, again... I've really been thinking long and hard about the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this week, we're going to be celebrating what's in my opinion, and I know a lot of you guys would agree, what's in my opinion, the most foundational, fundamental truth of the Christian faith, right? We call it Passion Week, um, and we go from Friday crucifixion death to Sunday, which we're going to get to the pinnacle the best part of it all. This is the icing, the cherry on top. So maybe the way I've been looking at it, this go round, you're going to hear a little different perspective. I'm going to lay out, and I'm sure you guys have heard this many times before, but the question I want you guys to keep in mind as I'm talking, as I'm sharing my heart with you guys is, was this all for nothing if... Okay, remember that big if, that is a condition. We read that a lot throughout scripture. If this, then this. If you do this, then this. So it was. it's a condition. And so I want you guys to remember that and keep that in the back of your minds as I'm talking about this perspective that I've been thinking about. Now, my mind has a tendency of working slightly different. Like I told you guys, um, I'm a visual learner. And I've got a couple pictures here that I'm eventually going to show you guys. And I know this is one of the reasons why the good old YT would give me the boot if I didn't take this down and then cut it and send y'all over to the rumble. But um, I know that most pastors are going to be giving sermons this coming weekend, obviously, rightly, on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Um, and the sad part of it is that as we have those remnant churches that are going to be preaching and teaching on proper hermeneutics and proper theology in regards to our Lord's death and resurrection, I guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're going to be having um, a lot of your far left woke pastors who are going to be blaspheming blaspheming the name of our Lord and Savior as a means to politicize the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you. Uh, Zach, 
uh, showed on his podcast. And Zach, thank you again, brother, for having me on. That was a wonderful time. Uh, I encourage you guys to go check it out because Zach showed a couple of clips there of, of, well, actually one in particular that happened in a church, and this is happening in churches all across America. I want to just, just you guys can go watch that and see what I'm talking about. But they are going to use this as a means to politicize our Lord and Savior. And I will tell you this, our Lord will not be mocked. They might think they're getting away with it, but they won't. They won't. And to see the lengths that our Savior went through to get you and me um, is something that should bring us to tears. And that's really what I want to present to you as we think about, again, um, think about the if. All of this been in vain if, right? Uh, it would mean nothing if. And you'll know what I mean as I as I keep talking as I as I continue on this. <clears throat> but I think there's there probably won't be too many pastors um giving you a uh maybe a, a sermon. I'm not this isn't a sermon. This is just a conversation. This is just something that God laid on my heart, but I don't think that there's going to be too many pastors coming from the vantage point of the cross and the tomb alone and then stopping right there, right? meaning the 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 cross and the tomb being the end. And you'll just you're just going to have to follow me on this. You'll just have to follow me on this. I originally had named this titled it prophecy wouldn't matter. But I thought it a little bit more apropos to give it the title that I gave it. And uh, you'll see what I mean by that. Um and none of this would matter. None of this would matter. If okay, uh, what I want to do first is start off by by really just giving you guys um, a picture, really, of what a perfect life our Lord and Savior Jesus lived. It was perfect. It was sinless, and so with that in mind, uh, I want to take a look at a few verses in Scripture. If you'll follow me on this, this is just three verses, and, and, and it just kind of solidifies what I just said. The fact that our Lord and Savior, he lived a perfect and sinless life. And remember, remember that the standard that God uses to measure each and every individual is this standard that we're going to be talking about today. So this definitely is an evangelistic message as well, because for anybody that might be watching this, for anybody that thinks they're a good person, let me tell you, you're not. None of us are. None of us will measure up to this standard. Never. So praise God for the fact that Jesus left heaven and came down in the form of man and lived among us sinless and perfect and did what he did. 1 John 3, 5. If you guys have your Bibles... I want you guys to turn, if you don't mind, to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, okay, verse 5. It's on page, I don't even, page 1509. I'm totally kidding. That's on mine, but I guarantee we don't have the same. All right, all spirit-filled believers use the New King James Version of the Bible, I'm totally kidding. I'm messing with you guys. I love you guys. 
Um, okay, so uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. You guys there yet? Good, because I'm going to start reading anyways. It says, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. In him there is no sin. One thing that I used to love about going to... Um, to listen to Pastor David Hawking when he was preaching at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, was the fact that I had never sat under a pastor who made you turn to Scripture as fast as Pastor David Hawking did. I think I was around maybe 14 years old when I would go listen with my folks and my sisters. And I'm telling you, folks, you will learn where your books of the Bible are quickly because he would just go bam 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 it was rapid fire second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 i'll give you some time to get there all right you guys there you guys are good verse 21 says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him praise god that we are made righteous in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, thank you, Jesus. And the last verse that I want to share just right now is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. I'll give you guys two seconds to get there. I would play the uh, Jeopardy theme, but uh, <laughs> I did that. Hey, Zach, uh, sorry, on a side note, did they ding you for a copyright? Because I played that like one or two seconds of the... Uh, of the Jeopardy theme on your podcast, dude. My bad. Sorry. All right, folks. Uh, First Peter chapter two, verse 22 says, who committed no sin, right? This is talking about Jesus. Let me go to 21. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. So I think just even based on these three Bible verses, you guys realize that, and I know you know this, but it solidifies it in our mind every time we go to Scripture. Because it doesn't matter what I think, what matters is what the Word of God says, period. Always remember that. Who cares what someone's opinion is? This is what matters as long as it lines up with Scripture. That's really what matters, okay? So... Those were just three verses, and trust me when I tell you there are a whole lot more verses than just those three. So what I would like to do first is I'd like to examine the life that Jesus lived, the life that Jesus lived. As I'm doing this again, what I'd like you guys to do is to keep in the back of your mind, wow, what a life Jesus lived, and then we're going to move into the crucifixion. We're going to move into the death of Jesus but all of this wouldn't matter if, okay? So just remember that again, as I'm, I'm going to remind you guys again. So let's take a look at the life our, our Lord and Savior Jesus lived. I will tell you this much. He was definitely not your model kind. He was not, not the kind of guy, if he lived today, he would never be on the cover of GQ, uh, GQ magazine. I'm not encouraging anybody to go check out that magazine. It's pure junk. It always has been, but... Um, you know, was used to be said that if a dude was like really good looking, he's like, man, that dude's GQ, right? So he would never be on the cover of GQ magazine ever. 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. I'm going to make you guys turn in your Bibles all over the place. And I'm doing the same thing. I don't have the little stickies in my Bible sticking out. But go to Isaiah chapter 53. And if I could hear the, the pages of the Bible, the rustle of the pages of our Bibles, oh, I love that sound. I love it when it's quiet in, in the Bible. And we don't hear much of that nowadays. But I'm telling you, Back in the day when there wasn't the phones and all this stuff, there's still people that do. They carry their Bibles. But to hear the pages being turned in Scripture, there's just a beautiful sound to that. Just a beautiful sound. Okay, family, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's a that's a prophetic verse, right? There's another verse of Bible prophecy, and uh, we know that the Bible is over one-third of Bible prophecy. So remember the title that I was going to give it, Prophecy Wouldn't Matter. Prophecy Wouldn't Matter If. So he wasn't something that we could behold, something Jesus was not the man that you would see walking down and like Saul, right? We read of Saul, the first king that uh, that Israel had. Good looking man. You know, he stood ahead above everybody else. Very handsome, very beautiful to look at. Um, but Jesus was not like that. He was not like that. He didn't have beauty that we should desire him. But we know that he is, he, let me say that again. It was his, he was majestic and his personality drew people unto him. See, Jesus was a man of great character. That's something that unfortunately in our societies now, we don't see a whole lot of. Character doesn't mean much in society anymore. I heard a saying once that your true character comes out when nobody's watching. When nobody's around, the things that you do, that is your true character. And well, let me tell you that our Lord and Savior, Jesus, he was a man of great character. I mean, if we boil it down, if we really kind of strip it down, what really does it mean to be a person of character? He was defined by his godly attributes. He was firm, yet at times, uh, I'm sorry, he was gentle, yet at times he was very, very firm. Um, but usually as we read in scriptures, he was very loving in his approach to others. He was morally excellent in all he did and in all of his ways. So he was what we would call the embodiment of love, kindness, selflessness. I want you guys to turn to Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark, I hope your fingers hurt after, uh, after today from turning in scripture, Mark. Chapter 10, verse 45, family. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, uh, if I could get there myself. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Think about that. That is the embodiment of love, right? It is a heart of servitude. Um, unfortunately, in our society, it's about me first and then everybody else. Well, the Lord flipped that on his head, on its head, and said, Nope, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. I came but to serve. 
and he came as a servant. One of his characteristics was that he was a servant. And that is just beautiful. Again, the embodiment of love. I read once, quote, that as the excellence of gold is its purity and the excellence of art is its beauty, so the excellence of people is in their character, is in their character. And that's what we're lacking in society today. We don't have character. We don't, especially, we're very anemic within the church when it comes to godly character. But Jesus was the true embodiment of godly, of godly character. He was compassionate by nature. That was just who he was. Chapter 9 of Matthew, family. Chapter 9 of Matthew. I know you guys probably think this is going to take a while, but this is what it's all about. It's all about Scripture. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. If we go to chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? With compassion for them, because they were weary and then because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. That is so beautiful to know that he was compassionate by nature. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I'm going through all of these attributes of the life that Jesus lived, I want you guys to remember that. Remember that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His attributes have not changed. He is the same. He is compassionate by nature. He knows each and every one of our needs. He knows our situations, and he's merciful with us. And I'm very, very grateful to him for that. He was a physician. He was a physician. Stay in Matthew and turn to chapter 14. If you're still there, turn to chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 4. It says, Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for... No, that's not it. Let me see. I'm sorry. Yeah, Matthew chapter 4. Where am I going? Did I mess up here? I probably messed up. Let me see. So Matthew 14, nope, that's not the right one. I will give you the correct one. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Praise God for the fact that he actually, and you know what? Again, he is the same, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. Yes. This is not Matthew chapter 14, 4. It's 14, 14. That's after when he feeds the 5,000. So, and that's not the first time. We could read of many other places. Be important if here in my notes I actually put a one. What a big difference that would make. He was also sinless. Let's go to, and I know this is the right one. Let's go to Hebrews. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews. If you got your Bible still open. Turn to the book of Hebrews and go to verse chapter 4, chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 15. Chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. This goes hand in hand with some of the first few verses I read to you guys. He was sinless, perfect. Again, remember that the standard God uses to measure our goodness is this. And again, as I'm 
as I'm going through these, I want you to remember, <laughs> it makes us realize just how far we missed the mark. As I talked, as I mentioned on uh, Zach's podcast, the Bible says that our works, good works, are as filthy rags to him. They mean nothing. Because again, as I'm talking, I want you guys to remember, this is our Lord Jesus. This is who he was. These are his attributes, his characteristics. These are his traits. This is the standard by which God measures each and every person. This is how he lived when he came down here. Jesus was a prophet also. He was a prophet with 100% accuracy. I think I already mentioned one-third of the Bible. One-third of the Bible is prophecy. That should be telling. There's a lot of pastors that don't want to touch Bible prophecy with a 10-foot pole, actually with a 1,000-foot pole. They don't want to come anywhere near it. And you can't ignore one-third or over a quarter of the entire Bible. You just can't do that. But that's what's happening in a lot of the churches in America today, and we see the results of that, right? We see the results. He was a prophet, 100% accuracy. Most of you guys know Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and there's many others. We can go to the Psalms. There's Messianic Psalms. I just read to you from Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 is a beautiful, beautiful prophetic chapter in Scripture that talks about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you guys to read that. Again, prophet, 100% accuracy. He was a teacher. He taught his disciples privately, but he also taught the multitudes. Like I, like I read to you guys in four, Matthew 14, 14, he had compassion on them, right? Because he saw them also, um, as it says in Matthew 9, 36, when he saw compassion, he saw them as, as helpless, like sheep without shepherds. And praise God for that compassion. So yes, he was a teacher. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. If you guys want to follow along, I know this is going to be a very uh, a very uh, Bible-centric podcast in Passion Week, but it's imperative that we do that. It's imperative. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to them, came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, These are the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. And he goes on, blessed, 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 right? So we could we see that he had such compassion, but he was a teacher and he wanted to teach them. He wanted them to learn. He wants us to to learn. Again, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what we have right here, the most important, the Bible, the Word of God. This is how the Lord teaches us. This is where we get our meat and potatoes. Remember, yes, we go to church, we hear great sermons. At the end of the day, you always want to make sure that it lines up with Scripture. Be a Berean. Be a Berean. But praise God for that. Praise God. He was honest. He was truthful. No lie could be found in him. Jesus never, ever went against his own words, ever. He never contradicted himself. 
He, he was, again, the embodiment of truth. We, we all know John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Again, there is that reference to Jesus Christ being the ultimate standards to which God uses to measure everybody's works, and nobody measures up to that. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. So again, he was the embodiment of truth. He demonstrated obedience to his earthly parents following one of the Ten Commandments. I believe it was uh, commandment number four, five. Honor your mother and your father. And we can see that, right? We can see that in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. I better hurry up here. You guys okay? Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? Am I losing you guys? Give me a thumbs up if I, if if I, if you're tracking with me, folks. I know this is a lot, but um, just hang in there, all right? I want to just really paint this picture of what a life that Jesus lived and none of us measure up to it. So Luke chapter 2, let me get on over there. Love that sound. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. It says the following, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But as, it says, But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He was obedient to his parents, to his earthly parents. He submitted to the will of the Father by going to the cross. What does that tell us? Not only did he give us an example of obedience here on earth, but he was obedient to his heavenly Father. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Love this. Just going all over Scripture. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Matthew 26, 39 says... He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Obedience to his heavenly father. And even when our Lord and Savior hung on the cross, when he was hanging there, he demonstrated his character traits of selflessness, of meekness, peaceability, and love. I want us to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53 for me, if you don't mind. If you guys are following me on the audio, you guys could get your Bibles and do the same thing. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a, as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And even when our Lord and Savior was hanging on that cross, he demonstrated that selflessness, that meekness. He was not thinking about himself. He was still thinking about others. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, 
trust me, that I that's not me. That's not I'm thankful that the Lord was like that. I'd be like, let the wrath of the Lord come down on them and engulf them right now and consume them. Right? That just goes to show how different my heart and the Lord's heart is. I've got a long ways to go. I've got a very long way to go. And I'm very, very grateful for God's compassion and his mercy and his grace and these are things that, again, I just gave you guys just a glimpse, a glimpse into who Jesus was here on earth. He's still all of that, but how he lived his life here on earth, what some of his traits were, what were the things that made up his character. So I want to make sure we understand that, but I didn't go over the fact that he is gracious. He was super gracious, filled with grace. He was filled with mercy. We talked about compassion again, patient. He was loving. I mean, the embodiment of love. He embraced the leopards, the outcast of society, those that nobody wanted to touch because when you were a leper in those days, you had to live outside the city. And if anybody was coming, the lepers, if you were a leper, you had to yell out, leper, leper. You had to yell out what your disease was. So that people would stay away from you. Oh, that man diseased. Stay away from them, outcast of society. Shoo, shoo. That's how it was. But you know what? Jesus, in his love and in his mercy and in his grace, you know what he did? He embraced them. I can imagine, I can picture Jesus just hugging and just loving on them. I mean, think about it the lepers probably hadn't had people touch them in so long. And when Jesus came to them, and I'm sure there were many more miracles of him healing lepers that we don't read about in Scripture, having Jesus touch them, physical touch, meant so much. I can't imagine that. And even when the ten lepers were healed, only one came back to thank him. Man's heart, right? It's all about me. Out of the 10, only one came back. And out of the 10, get this, folks, out of the 10, how many of the 10 received salvation? Only one. Only one. I've often thought about that picture as a picture of what it's going to be like in the last days where the majority of the people are going to be left behind. And there's only going to be a small fraction of people that are going to be taken out, that are going to be caught up with Lord and Savior. Make sure that you are right with the Lord. Make sure that He is your Lord. Make sure that He is your Savior. If He's not, we'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end. So I hope that I was able to just give you guys a little glimpse, a little glimpse as to what kind of life Jesus lived while He was here. Again, these are these are still his attributes. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. He is the great I am, and he doesn't change. He doesn't change. There's an old saying I have written in one of my Bibles when I heard it. I was really young. If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Guess who moved? The Lord is always there. There was this beautiful little book. It's a tiny little booklet called My Heart, Christ's Home. How many of you guys know what book I'm talking about? How many of you guys know? If you know the book I'm talking about, give me a thumbs up. Just let me know. But that little booklet is a great, where again, word picture. I am a visual kind of guy, artistic, and I, I, I picture these things in my mind and how Jesus goes through each 
compartment of our life as rooms and what he does when he cleans house, how he, if we allow him to, beautiful character. So again, uh, I really hope that that trait uh, that I painted a picture of some of the attributes of his character and his, his traits were while he was here on earth. Those were just some of them. But I want to move on now. Again, remember to keep that in, your, in the back of your mind. All for nothing if, okay? Prophecy wouldn't matter if. So I just laid out what a life he lived, which was great, beautiful. So what was it like now if we transition from the life? What was it like for Christ to hang on the cross? What was the price that Christ had to pay for you and for me? What did he have to suffer for you and for me? And that's why I, I want to kind of examine that. So we're transitioning from his life now into what we would call the, the, the transition stage, the, the betrayal, the praetorium, the crucifixion, right? The road that leads to Golgotha. Via Dolorosa, Via Dolorosa, really what that word is, it is painful road. That's what it translates to in Spanish, Via Dolorosa. So I want to, and this is where I know YT would have canned me. That's why as soon as this is done, I'm going to download it and cut it, because this is where we get into the nitty-gritty. What was the science behind the cruel inhumane method that the Romans utilized as a means to come against their those who they considered enemy or the vilest of vilest criminals. What was it? Crucifixion, right? Before we get there, what leads up to that crucifixion? So we have the pre-betrayal or pre, what I like to call pre-cross. And, uh, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want to paint the picture because this is really where things start. This is where Jesus says, hey, you know what? I need you guys to pray. Pray with me. I'm going to go off and pray. And every time he would come back, they were... They fell asleep. Totally asleep. I've, I'm so guilty of that. I'm so guilty of giving God my leftovers. And I pray that the Lord forgives me for that. How many of us do that? How many of us give God our leftovers when we should be giving him our first fruits, just as he did, gave himself as a ransom for us? So let's go there. Let's go. Garden of Gethsemane, while he was praying, I mean, you guys can find this. We don't have to turn there right now. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. If you guys want to write that down, Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Mark chapter 14, verses 37 to 42, or Luke. I like Luke because Luke was the physician. You get a physician's point of view. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 44. This is a quote, a quote from an article that I had read. It says, quote, after the Passover celebration, Jesus takes his disciples to Gethsemane to pray. You guys know that, right? During his anxious prayer about the events to come. Now, I don't know if I would call it an anxious prayer. I would probably disagree with this. I would say during his intense time of prayer, because the Lord tells us to be anxious for nothing, 
So I'm going to change it and say during his intense time of prayer about the events that Jesus was about to face, he sweats great drops of blood. I've talked about this. I've alluded to it in past podcasts, right? Um, but there is a rare medical condition called hemohydrosis, hemohydrosis, during which the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands break down. The sweat glands, these if you zoom in with like a microscope, it's almost like this perfect grid of tiny little dots. Almost like uh, for those of you that have ever played air hockey and you look closely at an air hockey table and you see those tiny little holes drilled in a perfect uh, a perfect grid form. It's very similar if you were to zoom into the skin anywhere, forehead, right? Neck. It's, it's where we sweat from. They're sweat glands, right? So these capillary blood vessels that feed to the sweat glands, they break down. This is under great stress, under great duress. Blood's released from the vessels. It mixes with sweat, and therefore the body sweats drops of blood. This is blood and sweat. This condition results from mental anguish or high anxiety, a state Jesus expressed by praying. I don't know about anxiety. I would probably say great duress, mentally anguished of what he was about to face. He says in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. If you're there, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. It says this. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Went a little farther. This is verse 39. Went a little farther, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, as we read, right? Then he came to his disciples, found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh boy. So true. So, so true. So we have this, this condition, hemohydrosis, okay? Keep that in the back of your minds. And we move on to now where he was beaten and extremely fatigued. We find that in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 18. So we have to, rem we have to remember that he was traveling from Pilate to Herod, and then back there was a good distance that he had to walk, he had to traverse. There was no rest. And as we read, let's go to chapter 22. Let's go to chapter 22 of Luke. Luke chapter 22. I'll wait till you guys all get there because I need to get there myself. Luke chapter 20. Wow. Luke chapter 22. That was a mouthful. Luke 22 uh, verses 63 and 65 say, Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasphemously spoke against them. What a bunch of jerks. Yeah, again, thank God that I'm not God. I'd be like, zzz, zzz, toast, zzz, right? But praise God that, um, again, just so compassionate, even as they, they mocked him and they smote or beat him. 
So one physician said that it's important that we keep in mind that as Jesus was experiencing this mocking, this beating, as they spit on him, his skin was still tender from the hemohydrosis that he had experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane under such great stress when he was praying. So we need to remember that. We need to remember that. He was also flogged and mocked all at the same time. I'm sure we've all heard uh, so many sermons describe what was called back then the cat of nine tails. I'm not sure if I can somehow get a picture of what that looked like. Um, let me see if I could find one. Here's some pictures of them. Let me show you guys. This is, and I just did a Google search, but this is what was called the cat of nine tails. This is what was used to flog and quote unquote discipline those that the Romans deemed they needed discipline. This was the cat of nine tails. It was a means of flogging, of whipping people, but it was extremely, extremely um, painful and uh, inhumane. Some of these you could see have some bone chips in them. So they were embedded with small bone chips that looked very similar to hooks. You could see some right there. That's definitely not what we're talking about. Meow. Little cat of nine tails. But this one right here, for example, let me see if I could show better. Is that one? Oh, there we go right there. So it had bone chips embedded on the end and all through here. And the whole purpose of this was to make the person suffer. And boy, did our Lord suffer a lot under the cat of nine tails. It says that in Matthew chapter 27, don't turn there right now because I want to I move on. It says, then the soldiers of the governor took him, took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. The entire garrison surrounded Jesus. They stripped him. Usually they were naked. They would strip them naked, okay? And uh, they put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, and they took the reed from him. They struck him on the head. Imagine what that did to the crown of thorns being embedded into him. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him. They ripped it off, actually, is better. They ripped the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him, led him away to be crucified. What our Lord um, suffered in the praetorium is hard to describe what he had to endure. I don't think there's anybody that did that. Usually what they would do is they would whip you from here, from the top, down to your buttocks. And so the entire, and it would wrap all around the side right here as that cat of nine tails would come around. It would wrap and it would get the entire side here. And you can imagine what would happen every time that they, they took. The person that was administering the, it was supposed to be 40 lashes. They would do 39 because of 40 people would kaput. They'd die. Nobody really would last that long. But the person that was in charge of, of, of inflicting the using the cat and nine tails, they were trained to do this. Okay. And they were probably bloodthirsty too. 
they were demonic because there's no way that you could do this to someone and watch them suffer so much. So as not to mince words, I'm going to read verbatim what Dr. Schreier said was going on at the time in a physical sense, the agony leading up to the cross. So again, I want you guys to remember this. Are you guys okay? Um, you guys cool? I just want to make sure I'm not losing you guys. I know this stuff uh, is a little deep, but I wanted to I wanted to share this with you guys because it's important for us to understand the sacrifice and the lengths to which Jesus went through for you and for me. So let me know. Just give me a thumbs up if you're tracking with me, if you guys are on board. Um, just let me know. Okay, so this is exactly, again, I don't want to mince words, so I'm going to read this directly from a paper Dr. Schreier put out. And uh, from a physical standpoint, what, what Jesus endured. It says, quote, Pilate orders Jesus to be flogged as required by Roman law before crucifixion traditionally. The accused stood naked, as I mentioned before. Stood naked. And the flogging covered the area from the shoulders down to the upper legs. So the back of your hammies, back of your hamstrings. The whip consisted of several strips of leather. I showed you guys the cat and nine tails. In the middle of the strips were metal balls that hit the skin, causing deep bruising. In addition, sheep bone was attached to the tips of each strip. These were like hooks that would get embedded. This I'm just adding this. These were hooks that would get embedded into the flesh. And as you ripped it out, it just would rip the flesh out. So these guys, the Romans, were masters of torture. Masters of torture. When the bone makes contact with Jesus' skin, it digs into his muscles, tearing out chunks of flesh and exposing the bone beneath. The flogging leaves the skin on Jesus' back in long ribbons. By this point, he's lost great volumes of blood, which causes his blood pressure to fall and puts him into shock. The human body attempts to remedy imbalances such as decreased blood volume. So Jesus' thirst is his body's natural response to his suffering. We read about that in John chapter 19, verse 28. You guys want to look that up? That's John chapter 19, verse 28. If he would have drank water, his blood volume would have increased. Roman, soldier, uh, Roman soldiers then place a crown of thorns on Jesus' head and a robe on his back. As it says in Matthew chapter 27, verses 28 29, the robe helps the blood clot, similar to putting a piece of tissue on a cut from shaving, to prevent Jesus from sustaining more blood loss. As they hit Jesus in the head, the thorns, as I just read to you guys in Scripture, the thorns from the crown push into the skin and he begins bleeding profusely. The thorns also cause damage to the nerve that supplies the face, causing intense pain down his face and neck. As they mock him, the soldiers also belittle Jesus by spitting on him. And then they rip the robe off Jesus' back, and the bleeding starts all over again. So we know that he is in dire physical condition. At this point, you would say, whoa, enough, 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 but... Our Lord didn't stop there. The suffering doesn't stop there. And so because he had suffered so much blood loss, 
I would imagine that he's in some sort of, his body is going through some sort of shock, and he's unable to carry the cross. And this is where Simon of Cyrene is hand-chosen by God to, to um, put him up to the task of carrying the cross for him. If anybody knew how heavy a cross was and lived to tell about it, it was Simon the Cyrene. Matthew chapter 27. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. Matthew 27, 32 says, Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. I like the word there, compelled. I wonder exactly how they compelled him. Because we all know that the Romans were very compelling that was deep, right? That was so deep. So this is this is Jesus's physical condition pre-Golgotha, pre-cross. So if all of that isn't enough, this is at the point where crucifixion happens. This is if you guys have studied or know anything and I'm sure all of us have heard many sermons on Passion Week about the cruelty of crucifixion. I mean, cruelty is an understatement. Talk about a way to die. Crucifixion probably is still to this day one of the, if not the most, painful and inhumane ways of dying. This was invented by the Persians between the year 3 and 400 BC. The Romans took it. They perfected it. Perfected it. Um, they, um, it was just wicked. It was wicked. And uh, in my opinion, and again, this is beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe that Satan was instrumental in getting this method of crucifixion invented. Now, God allows it. Uh, obviously, God has a predetermined plan, but it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Satan's hand was behind this and tried to make it the most cruel and wicked way of somebody could could die. Um, on TBN, there was a show called Behold a Man, and one of the gentlemen on there goes on, and this is what he said, quote, the English language derives the word, we get our word excruciating from crucifixion. Acknowledging it, it is, um, acknowledging it as a form of slow, painful suffering, end quote. And remember that Crucifixion was reserved usually for the most vilest of criminals. Remember that they that the people yelled out, "Give us Barabbas! This Jesus, you guys can have him." You know, give us Barabbas, and Barabbas was a criminal, led an insurrection, and that's who they wanted. That's who they wanted, and so like a lamb led to the slaughter. This is Jesus, and in all of this, remember that he said nothing. This is, I want to share a couple pictures with you. I'm going to try to be brief, family, because let me see, where are we? We are already at 1.20. We're already at one hour and 20 minutes. And this is, again, Dr. Schreier, she put out a paper on this, and she went on to describe the cruel method of crucifixion. And I'm going to show you guys a couple of pictures here because this will really cement in your minds 
what Jesus went through on top of everything that I just read to you. So you keep in mind what his physical condition is. And I'm going to go over here and uh, what? where did I put it? There it is. Okay, there it is. So um, this is what Dr. Schreier says. She says, uh, the accused needed to be nailed to the patibulum while lying down. So Jesus is thrown to the ground, reopening his wounds, grinding in dirt, and causing more bleeding. The nail his hand, they nail his hands to the patibulum, patibulum. Wow, patibulum, man. Ooh, that's a big word. No wonder I didn't become a doctor. There's no way. The Greek meaning of hands includes the wrists. It is more likely that the nails went through Jesus' wrists. If the nails were driven into the hands, the weight of the arms would have caused the nail to rip right through. So right here, there's no way. And they ran the risk of breaking bones. We know Jesus had no bones broken. Ton, tons of little bones right here. It would have ripped just right through because of the weight. Didn't matter if they tie him here. I know you see some depictions where they have him tied, right, to the uh, horizontal beam. But it's not through the hands. Let me show you guys a picture. So as I'm reading this, keep this in mind. Here's the picture. Um, there's a picture of the nail, five to seven inches in, uh, in height. It almost looks very similar to um, a s train spike, right? The ones that they, the rail ties they would use to use. I have one actually in the studio. Let me show you, family, see if I can get it. Let me see. Hold on. So this is a rail tie. This is what they use to hold down the rails, but it would have been very similar to this. At the top, like this, almost this height, but it wouldn't have been as thick as this one. It would come down to a needle-like point, very much like we see in the picture here. And so that is what they would have done. They would have stretched him out on that cross. And they would have put those nails through the wrist and then tie him. So um, the upper body would not be held to the cross. So they placed it in the wrist. The bones in the lower portion of the hand support the weight of the arms and the body remains nailed to the cross. Huge nail. I just showed you a picture of a rail tie. Um, again, it's very similar to that, but coming down to a fine point, as you see here on the left-hand side of the diagram that I'm showing you here, huge nail, seven and nine inches. This one right here says five to seven. Either way, it's enormous. It damages or severs the major nerve to the hand, the median nerve upon impact. Bam, you got to remember they're driving this into what looks like a rail tie. This wasn't smooth wood. This was not meant to be comfortable. This was meant to make the victim suffer as much as they possibly could. So that wood looked very similar to a rail tie, extremely rough, lots of splinters, lots of jagged pieces of wood. And so that's what he was laid on. And then again, this causes agonizing pain on both of Jesus's arms. Let me come back over here. I think you guys get the picture, right? Once the victim is secured, the guards lift the patibulum and place it on the um, 
the stipes already in the ground. As it is lifted, Jesus' full weight pulls down on his nailed wrists and his shoulders and elbow dislocate. So you need to remember one thing that um, you have the cross, right? You have the beam of the cross. So think of a cross like this, right? You have the cross beam right here. Jesus would be laying down like this, and he would be nailed, laying flat. And as they're lifting the cross, there is a hole where the bottom of the cross is inserted into as to hold it. Now, this hole that they would have put is not going to be one or two feet because the last thing you want is for the cross to fall over face forward or sideways. And that could possibly kill the person. But their whole point was to extend this suffering as much as they possibly can. Some of these victims that were crucified would hang there for two, three days. So imagine suffering. So this hole probably would have been a good three, four feet deep. So imagine going here, and when they go to here, the cross goes bam and settles, and all of the body weight slams straight down. You can imagine what it does to the back. You could imagine what it does to the nerves and the tendons, not only here, but in the area of the elbow and the wrist, the spine, everything just, bam, coming down. And if that weren't bad enough, folks, if that weren't bad enough, let me show you what it would have looked like on the feet. So this is what it would have looked like on the feet. Right here, you could see this is a cross section. The nail would have gone straight down the middle, straight down the middle. Now, the placement of the nail was between two and three right here, the metatarsals, because remember, none of Jesus' bones were broken, so it would have spread your foot out. Imagine the searing pain there as well. Now, you guys could see right here what it would look like going straight down. They had a pedestal, a sort of pedestal, to be able to... Uh, it was at an angle. So here's the cross. The pedestal was at an angle, and they were able to, as best they could, push up and take a deep breath and then go back down. So we know that Jesus uttered seven statements on the cross, and I want you guys to keep in mind. I don't want to keep going with this. I think you guys get the picture. I think you guys get the picture of how much our Lord suffered for us. And while he was on the cross, our Lord and Savior, he uttered seven statements on the cross. Seven of them. Let me see. I had them here. The first one was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you remember? Um, it says in Psalm 22, it says that the bystanders thought Jesus was calling for Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, from the cross. But it was a reference to Psalm 22, right? Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. And it is a view. If you guys read Psalm 22, it is a view. We oftentimes look at the cross from where Mary was and where John was. We look up at what Jesus would have looked like at the cross. Psalm 22 is a picture of what Jesus saw from the cross. So it's a, it's a vantage point from the cross looking down. Great, great psalm. And then he said his second one was, I thirst. That's John 19, 28. He was really thirsty. He had lost a lot of blood. There needed to be balance. And um, 
what they did, they would usually give wine mingled with gall. It was a means to to um, sedate, to take away the edge of the pain off. And uh, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And this is where I told you where his characteristic trait of mercy and of love. I mean, talk about love. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's in Luke 23, verse 34. Talking about the soldiers that nailed him to the cross. These were men that gambled for his clothes. No heart. Yet the Lord was thinking about them. He's thinking about their salvation. He's thinking about eternity and what eternity would look like apart from him. And then he says, behold this woman, woman, behold thy son, talking to John and Mary. We don't know what happened to Joseph. The Bible doesn't tell us. We can only assume that maybe he passed away. And so this was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She stood near the cross as she's looking at her son. This was what would pierce her heart, as the shepherd told her and prophesied many, many years ago when the Lord was born. And uh, the other statement, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is talking to the thief that was on his right. Both of them in the beginning reviled him, but then the one on the right actually realized that this was Jesus, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he tells the other thief on the cross, and they're having a conversation, and he says, dude, what are you talking about? Do you not realize that we deserve to be here, but this man has done nothing wrong? And he turns to him, he says, Lord, remember me when you come into paradise. Remember me. And Jesus turns to him, and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. So for all of you guys that think that you need to be baptized in order to be saved, ixne on the Baptist A in order to be saved A, no need. No need. For those of you that think you might have to do good works, no good works necessary. Why? Because Jesus did it all for us on the cross. There is nothing you or I could possibly do to earn salvation. Remember that. And then finally, there are two last statements that are key here, where he says in John chapter 19, verse 28, it is finished, tetelestai, done, sealed deal. Finito. Done. And what a beautiful thing that is when it was finished. Can you imagine when the Lord, some believe that when Jesus said, My uh, Father, why have you forsaken me? That the entire sin of all the world is poured out on him. There's this video. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. I'm going to try and, and play it for you guys if I find it. Um, let me see if I could. It's a I thought it was a, a, a fairly good um, description on the cross when all sin is poured out on him. And I'm going to try and find it because it's very apropos to what we're talking about. And let me see if I could, if, if I could find it. Um, if I cannot find it, then it's okay. Um, I'm not sure if this is it. It's a five-minute animation. I don't know if I want to take the time to do that, but look it up. It was, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of Joseph Smith, but Joseph Smith is the one that put out this animation. Don't send me emails about Joseph Smith. I know it. 
I'm just telling you, I saw this animation and it's a point in time where all sin is poured out on Jesus. And boy, you and I could never imagine what that must have felt like. And the last statement, he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I want us to read Luke chapter 22. We go there, Luke chapter 22, because this is really, really important. Luke chapter 22, verse 46. Luke twenty-two forty-six 46. Says the following. That's not it. I'm sorry, Luke 23, dude. Man, I'm just off today. Luke, Luke 23, I'm like, wait, that's not it. Luke 23, 46, family. It says, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. And that was it. He breathed his last. He died. For those that were on the cross, it didn't end here. Praise God. Jesus died. And um, what happened when Jesus died, they went over to the other two. Sabbath was approaching. They went over to the other two, and they broke their legs. They busted their legs. They grabbed a beam, bam, and busted their legs right around the shin or knee area. And essentially what that did is so that they would die quicker. And it's very, very, very cruel because we need to remember that the difficulty, as I read to you seven statements that Jesus made on the cross, each and every one of these statements, he had to lift up his weight, take a breath, and utter these statements. And in order to do that, there was a difficulty that would be surrounding inhalation and exhalation. Because every time the lungs would start filling with fluid, start filling with fluid. There was this buildup of carbon dioxide in the blood. And so you had a very, very high buildup of carbonic acid in the blood. And when you have that, sometimes, uh, as far as I know, there could, well, that's more ammonia, but the carbonic acid, it could, it, um, it, the body would respond instinctively, wanting to take a, a breath when that happens, when there's high concentration. So, this says here, uh, Dr. Schreier goes on and says, the decreased oxygen due to the difficulty of ex exhaling causes damage to the tissues and the capillaries, which begin leaking watery fluid from the blood into the tissues. It, it builds up around the heart, the pericardial effusion, and the lungs, the pleural effusion. This collapses the lung, failing heart, dehydration, and the inability to get sufficient oxygen. Bottom line is, Jesus died. They break the legs. These two guys are suffocating because their lungs are filling with fluid. Again, this is very, very cruel. And so what do they do to make sure that he's dead? They get him in the side and water and blood come out. And this is exactly why. This is exactly why. And again, I have nothing else to add to this. Family, you guys get the picture, right? Which brings me back to the very beginning. How many of us love reading Bible prophecy? How many of us love hearing that our Lord and Savior is coming back soon? I'm sure most of us, if not all of us do, and we're looking forward to that day. How many of us take great pleasure in reading the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to give us insight into His Word? I know I do. 
and I need to do it more often than what I even do now. But listen to me, and this is where I come full circle. This is where I come full circle. Now that I've laid this all out for you guys, the life Jesus led, the pains and the, that he went through in the praetorium and pre-cross and the Via Dolorosa and leading up to Golgotha and the crucifixion, I laid that all out for you guys. But do you guys know that if we went and celebrated the death and burial of Jesus Christ and stopped right there, all of this that I told you, everything that I just shared with you, if it just stopped right there, everything we read about in here, everything we have our hearts set on when it comes to Bible prophecy, it would mean nothing. It would be all for nothing. If all we do is celebrate just the death and burial of Jesus Christ, it would mean nothing. It would have been all in vain. If that's where it was, if Jesus stayed in that tomb, if he was laid there and that stone never rolled away, then you and I were just were living good lives because we were just given good messages. Then Jesus would have been just a good teacher and a good person. If everything just ended at the tomb, Bible prophecy would mean nothing. And the thought of comforting one another with these words would mean nothing. I think you guys get the point of where I'm getting at, right? We move from Friday to Saturday, and this is where Christianity differs from everything else, from every other religion. Sunday, as we celebrate the culmination of our Lord and Savior, the resurrection, folks, listen, it is because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ alone, that is the most foundational found, uh, foundational part of Christianity. It is because he rose and because he lives forever and he beat death. It is because of that that we can take comfort in the word of God. It is because he rose and he lives and he is alive and well and he is seated at the right hand of the Father that we read the Bible and we can take comfort in the words that it says and that we can take it to the bank and we know that what Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. It is of utmost importance that we understand that Yes, Jesus suffered. Yes, he lived a good life, the best, perfect. But the pinnacle of this whole thing is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because without that, all of this would be meaningless. It would be all for nothing. But praise God that this weekend, and we should remember this every day of the year, praise God that he is alive, that he is risen, he is risen indeed. And so as Sunday approaches and you see a brother, you see a sister in Christ, tell them he has risen, he has risen indeed. And it is because he's alive 
that we know 100% certainty that he is coming back for us any moment. I want you guys to think and remember that because he is alive. He beat death. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the great I am. And that, my friends, is the best part of what we are going to celebrate this weekend. That blood that he shed on Calvary is not in vain. It is what washes over us and cleanses us and justifies us from all sin. From all sin, it is what allows us to be in communion with God. It is what allows us to spend eternity with God if we accept the free gift of salvation because we are all going to be asked one question, what did you do with the gift of my son? While you had life on earth, what did you do with the gift of my son? And how sad that the majority of people think that their good works are going to outweigh everything that I just read to you. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Our works are as filthy rags to the Lord, and they mean nothing. And the only way that we can spend an eternity in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made. As I read to you, John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That is why I wanted to share this with you guys today. Because nobody measures up to his perfection. Nobody does. And praise God that he willingly gave his spirit up and that God called him out of that grave and that he is alive and the tomb is empty, praise the Lord. The tomb is empty. And that, my friends, that family right there is the difference between Christianity, true God-fearing Christianity of the Bible and every other religion. Every other religion. So praise the Lord for that, that it wasn't in vain. That it wasn't in vain. And I am grateful because as I'm talking to you guys today, I get excited. I shared with you guys wars and rumors of wars just in the beginning. And what does that tell us? What does that tell us? That as we approach Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we can take solace in knowing that our Lord and Savior, if he said he's coming back for us, I guarantee you he's going to come back for us because he bats 100% accuracy. He is accurate. He is fulfilled. Bible prophecy is 100% accurate. And that, my friends, that family is so encouraging to me. Knowing that he's coming back for us. And listen to what I'm going to tell you. Maybe it's this year. I don't know. Maybe this is the last Easter Resurrection Sunday that we will celebrate here on Terra Firma. One of these days, it's going to be the last one we celebrate here, and we're going to get to see our risen Lord in heaven, in his presence. How glorious that's going to be. We will be changed from corruptible to incorruptible in the twinkling of an eye. 
We will be put on those heavenly garments. Our names will be changed to heavenly names. We will all be able to be here. So I want to encourage each and every one of you, as I kind of laid this all out, that Jesus did this for you. He did this for me. And I oftentimes lose sight of that because the enemy just wants to get at me. As I was talking, as we did the podcast with Pastor Mark Henry, the enemy knows his time is short. He doesn't know when, but he knows his time is short. And because he knows his time is short, he wants to pester each and every one of us. But like that old t-shirt says, when Satan reminds you of your past, when he reminds you of your failures, when he tries to tell you what, how inept you are, it says, remind him of his future. He's a defeated foe already. Jesus Christ has the victory. And where did he have that victory? On the third day when he rose from the dead, it was a sealed deal. It's a done deal, family. We are victorious because we are in Christ. And praise God for that. And I want to, I hope and pray that this message encouraged you. I know it was hard to sit through in the beginning because it's so graphic what our Lord went through, but it's important. It's important for us to remember that. So, hey, listen, I want to make sure that for those that don't know Jesus, if you're watching this and you're going, I, I, don't, I don't know Jesus, I don't, I'm, I don't have the assurance of heaven, how do I do that? Well, let me tell you, let me share with you, praise God that we, we can come to Christ just as we are, just as we are. God doesn't want you to go and try and change your life and make it better because you won't, and most likely you'll make it worse. There was an old song that Crystal Lewis used to sing at the Harvest Crusades called Come Just As You Are. It's a beautiful song, and it was during the invitation. I remember that song. I've heard it a bunch of times. But That's exactly the way that God wants us. Just come the way you are, filthy and all, and let him clean you up. It's that blood that Jesus Christ shed on that cross that will make you righteous before God Almighty. It is through the sacrifice of Jesus that will allow you entrance into heaven. It is the sacrifice he made on there and you accepting that free gift that will bring you and usher you into the family of God and in eternity with all of us and, and most importantly with Jesus in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you want that? Because if you do, it's not complicated. It's simple. You have to admit that you're a sinner. God is loving, but he's also just. And because he's just, he has to punish sin. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he died, but that he rose on the third day, just as I talked about. Believe unto him. Confess your sins. Confess to him. And confess him as your Lord and Savior, Friend, if you want to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. It's simple. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time. As we look back in this Passion Week and celebrate and commemorate what you did for us, the life you lived, and how you suffered in so much pain and in agony, Father God, you went to that cross willingly and you gave your life up for us so that we wouldn't have to spend eternity apart from you. Thank you, Father God. I pray right now if anybody out there wants to, wants to come to you, if you want to be 
part of the family of God. It's a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died and you rose on the third day. I confess my sins and I confess you as Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. There's nothing that you could have done to save you. The Holy Spirit initiates the work of salvation. Jesus Christ did everything at the cross for us. It is a free gift, and all we have to do is accept it. So if you did, I'd love to hear about it. Family, this was an awesome, awesome time. Um, let me see over here. If y'all if y'all give me just a second here, let me get on over here. Um, there is one question here. Uh, so uh, we had someone request to read Psalm 22. Let me see. Where are we at time-wise, family? Where are we at time-wise? Ooh, we're almost, you know, and I said, I told Ron, I said, dude, I'm going to try to keep this under an hour. Yeah, right. God's good. BPNE had a question. Did you know why he had to take the crown of thorns? It was because he had to reverse the curse from the earth, which happened after the fall. I don't know um, if that was the case, uh, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll give you what I believe, uh, the reason why they did it. They um, they wove a crown of thorns. These weren't little thorns, by the way. They were about that big. And every time they hit them on the head with it, those would go into the dermis, the skin. Um, you know, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the king of the Jews, right? And it was a form of mockery to do that, to put the robe on him and to put the crown on top of his head. Now, um, if it was truly because he had to reverse the curse from the earth, which happened after the fall, I'll be frank with you, it was his blood that did that. It was the sacrifice on the cross that reversed the curse of sin. Only if we ask Jesus, only if we we allow him to be our Lord and Savior if we accept that free gift. And that reversal isn't fully going to come to pass until the new earth and the new heaven and the millennium. So we're still seeing the effects of the curse, but praise God for his sacrifice on the cross. Praise the Lord. Sinless, spotless lamb, because there had to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sin not for the covering of sin as it was in the Old Testament, right? When they would sacrifice, it was a means of covering, not of remission. And when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died on that cross and he rose on the third day, our sins are as far as the east is from the west, justified, just as if we'd never sinned. Now, unfortunately, we're still under the curse of sin while we're here on earth. But very, very soon, we're out of here. We are out of here. Psalm 22. Let me see. Let me get on over there. Psalm 22. Depends. Let's see. Ooh, it's a long one. And we are at almost two hours. So listen, I'll give you guys homework. I'm going to give you guys homework, but this is a messianic psalm. I want to encourage each and every one of you to read it. 
Thank you, Jason, for asking me to read it. Um, it's a long one, uh, but I, I want, I'm trying to respect all your times too. And I would keep going and going and going. I love you guys. And I don't want to take advantage of your time. I know you guys have other things you've got to do. And thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out. Um, yeah, BPNE, I'm talking about the curse of the earth itself outside of sin. Yeah, I. it's all part of the curse of sin. I understand where you're coming from. It's all part of the curse of sin. Once, once sin came into the earth, it was game, set, match, over, and Jesus Christ had to come. I get that. I know what you're saying. Again, I'm not dogmatic about it. I'm not saying no, but at the end of the day, you know what? Um, even if I don't see it that way, that's totally cool. We could agree to disagree agreeably, right? It's all good. And I love you guys. Love you, BPNE. Um, family, this was great. Thank you guys. If you guys could give thumbs up to Zach, go over, check out his channel, check out Carly's channel. Carly, um, thanks so much for coming on as well. It's so, so good to see y'all. Give them a thumbs up. Moderators are doing so, so good. Okay, so homework, read Psalm 22. Don't just read it to read it. Read it and reread it. And you know what? There's all these little Bible verses, the cross-references. Check out the cross-references too. Um, it is a beautiful psalm. And um, it's, this, was written, this was written centuries before Jesus ever went to the cross. So to deny the fact that um, Bible prophecy doesn't exist is so silly. I have a book here. I think I've shown it to you guys. Um, it might be up there, man. I have so many books, family, which is good. Not that I've read every single one of them. I've spot read some of these, uh, but it's a book by John Walvoord and it is every single, oh, there it is. Look at this. This is how thick the book is. Every prophecy of the Bible right in here. Really, really, really good, really good book. Um, it's an easy, it's an easy read. It's a good one. He just every single one is in here. And we're talking over 600 pages long. So praise God that if God said it was gonna happen, you can bet it's gonna happen. So all right, family. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. I love each and every one of you. I love our times together. This was great. Uh, thank you to the mods. Remember, I hope you guys were blessed, encouraged. I hope you guys were challenged to get into the Word. I know I am. I tell you that, but I'm, I challenge myself. The Holy Spirit challenges me as well to get into the Word of God and get the Word of God into me. I need, to, I need to memorize way more scripture. I need to get the word of God way more into me. I don't want a dinky sword. Sometimes I feel like my sword looks like this, like really rusted, like a nail, and that's pathetic. We don't want that kind of sword. We want like a big, gigantic one, right? Spiritual sword, sword of the spirit. All right, folks, Zach, Carly, you guys are superstars. Thank you, thank you so much. Remember, family, uh, this could be, this very well could be the last Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate here. We might be celebrating in heaven because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, based on everything that is happening around the world, that our Lord and Savior is coming back for us at any 
any moment, and you can take that to the bank. So until next time, see you guys. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Anyways, I thought it was funny. Love you, family. Enjoy your weekend. Praise the Lord on Sunday. And remember, if you see anybody, you tell them that our Lord has risen, and they should tell you he has risen indeed because he truly, truly has. Until the next time, family, Lord bless you. Keep looking up. See ya.